It's that time, everybody. It's the podcast time again. It is time for another episode of the Apple Circle Podcast. We are back breaking down the latest and greatest Apple news of the week, all the leaks, all the rumors, everything you need to know. And as always, we love to kind of get a discussion going with you guys. We want to talk to you guys, get your thoughts on what is happening in the Apple world. So if you hear something on this podcast that sounds interesting, you want to have a comment on, or if you're looking for some buyer's advice, maybe a buyer's guide, you're looking to decide between two products, let us know. Our Apple Circle hotline number is 949-354-3508. Of course, we're on Twitter, we're the Apple Circle there. We've also got a YouTube channel, a video version of this podcast. It's called the Apple Circle Podcast to check it out. And um, it's where we break down all the latest Apple news of the week. And Matt, I feel like we're like ever so slowly inching closer and closer to the next Apple event because the tech drought, as it's affectionately called, continues as there is just, <laughs> there is no Apple news to speak of. Very, very, very no little, little bit. Like just tech in general is very slow right now. But one thing that I think we can definitively answer, well, maybe not 100% definitively, but I think we could be pretty safe, is that there is not going to be an event before WWDC. You, do you think that's safe to say? 100% safe to say. It's going to be June 6th is going to be the next event for sure. Yeah, because we were, uh, Mark Gurman gave that little hint that kind of sounded like maybe there, there was going to be an event before, but that is not happening. So yeah, June 6th, WWDC 2022. That is uh, coming faster than I really expected. I checked the date today and I was like, geez, we're almost there. This is going to be fast. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about what to expect at WWDC in a bit. Um, but we did get some uh, some news. But before we get to that, real quick, we want to hear from you. D- did you already do that? I did. I did. We can. Okay. We got the housekeeping no. out of the way. <laughs> I, I was uh, reading some of the news that we we're going to talk about, so I totally wasn't listening to what you were saying. All right. It's okay. Forget about that. We do want to hear from you, but we, we won't give you the number again. Um, but yeah, I think some of the more interesting news, there was a back and forth almost about this AR headset that we're expecting. Um, on one hand, that the AR headset was kind of not like a, a prominent product that Apple is working on. They're working on it, but it's kind of like uh, get on the back burner almost. And then we also got news today that apparently the AR headset is ready to go and they showed it to the board members, demonstrated how it works and what it's going to be. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, we've heard so much news about this, but it seems like it is real and it's coming. But what was the other story where it was kind of like on the back burner? You, you uh, had more details on that. Well, before we get to that, I got to ask, since this sort of broke today, is this something Apple typically does? Because I can't remember hearing before of Apple showing right. off unreleased products to the board. I mean, obviously, it's the Apple board. These are people who are sort of help steering the company. But is this a new thing or not? Because I've never heard this before. It sort of sort of slipped in there in the headlines. Like, oh, Apple showing this off to board members. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I'd never heard of that either. I guess the last time this would have happened would be with the uh, Apple Watch, right? Because there hasn't been like a a new product. Because I would assume with every product that's about to get announced, the board sees it, obviously. Like they know what's going on. Um, But yeah, no, that's kind of interesting. I I agree that's kind of uh, a different different thing that we hadn't heard before. But I guess that's good. Like the board should know what's going on, right? If it's a complete flop and everyone decides like, you know, we cannot ship this, then I think that's a good thing. But also on the other hand, you kind of get back to that. Again, I'm sure they do this for every product, even when Steve Jobs was around. But you get back to that idea of like if the board is in, is involved and it's not just the product managers and all that kind of thing, like project managers, 
could you could that lead to a point where it's all profit driven and the product itself is not that important? That's kind of what this makes me think of. It's almost like the olden days of Apple again. Well, we can get into that too because I was telling Matt right before we started. I started to listen to the audiobook because I, I can. Well, I can read. I shouldn't say that. I can read. I just, <laughs> I, I have this thing where like I get very tired very easily. And no matter how interesting a book is, as soon as I start to read and concentrate, I get super tired. I just like, I cannot force myself to read. So I do audiobooks because it's like sort of like a podcast. So I'll listen to it while I'm driving. And I just started to listen to the audiobook um, that's called After Steve. I think it's sort of how Apple became a trillion dollar company and lost its soul. And I know how there have been sort of mixed reviews on this, but I wanted to sort of go in a clean slate and sort of listen to it. And I'm only a little bit into it. Um, but it is interesting because it sort of talks about some of the beginning dynamics about how things changed so drastically after Steve Jobs passed away and how Tim Cook rose to the ranks as the logistics guy and not the creative visionary and um, sort of out of this world uh, genius, sort of like Johnny Ive, how Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive were sort of cut from the same cloth. Tim Cook was not that way at all. And there's been the debate forever about how Apple and um, you know, sort of their future has changed since Tim Cook. And there's always a question for better or worse, but maybe we'll come back to that in a second. Let's go back to the headset. So the, what you're referring to, Matt, was there was a story, I think it was by the Financial Times or some other, I think it was an international news uh, outlet. And they posted some of the um, details regarding the issues and the complications with the headset. And I just was sort of skimming through the article and it was interesting how the team that was working on this headset, at least uh, initially, they were not working sort of in Apple's main, you know, whether it was Infinite Loop at the time, or I think, um, you know, obviously now Apple Park, they weren't in sort of that ring. They were in like one of those offshoot buildings that's like down the road. And if you didn't know, if you've ever been sort of to the Apple mothership, uh, Apple has obviously that big building, but they own like a bunch of property around there, like a bunch of just random office they own, buildings. Like, almost all of Cupertino. Yeah, some nondescript buildings, some with Apple logos on them. But basically, this project was in an offshoot um, you know, building. And the theory behind that was that it was sort of insulated itself from the company, that it was so secretive, it was sort of out of sight, out of mind, and they could work there and sort of do their thing. But the article alluded to problems that presented um, because it was sort of seen as a lower class, lesser class project. And when the engineers working on the headset needed to communicate with other Apple engineers. They were sort of brushed off. It wasn't seen as important. There was one uh, piece in the article that talked about how they wanted to work on uh, some kind of camera technology working faster on the headset, but this is back in 2018, and they were basically told by the iPhone camera engineers, no, we got to finish the iPhone XS first before we can even you know, think about this and work on this. And just sort of interesting how those dynamics have changed and how there were a lot of complications getting this thing to market. And maybe the development of it was different than other Apple products that came before it. Obviously, um, it's been in the works for a while. I think I look back and Apple was, or the first rumors of this, I think came out in like 2015-ish, maybe a little before, a little after. So obviously this is like seven years in the making and we're finally getting to this point. But it's sort of interesting to see behind the scenes peak. And we always think about, you know, whatever Apple's next big thing is, they must be devoting all the resources to it. But that's not the case. And also it sort of makes you wonder how many of these offshoot projects exist that are seen right. internally as the next big thing. They just flounder and never become, uh, you know, become anything. 
Well, that or how many of them exist that will be coming and we don't even know that they exist. Um, yeah, that's interesting because, I, I mean, I guess if you think about it, that's what the iPhone was, right? They were working on these projects. Maybe it wasn't all the way in a back corner, but it was super secretive. Nobody at the company knew about it. There was just a very small team working on it. Same thing with the iPod. Um, so I guess that's just kind of how it works. I think what's weird about this story isn't so much that part. I think it makes sense that it's isolated and it's secretive from the company. It's more the framing of it that this was something that they almost didn't care about. I think that's what's weird about it and a little worrisome. <laughs> like, I, I maybe back in 2015, like you said, when we started hearing these rumors, I mean, back then, this technology obviously wasn't ready. It was very much, uh, you know, the early days of VR. Um, so maybe back then it made sense that they wouldn't focus so much on this because the just the tech just wasn't good enough and i guess yeah i don't know it just makes me a little worried that this is the that this story came out maybe it's completely bogus and like uh it, they're conflating two different things and it, it the headset was always you know slated to be the next big thing but it does still get me a little bit worried about what this might be but then we saw this story today like we were talking about about them showing it off and that is basically ready and uh, maybe <laughs> I just, again maybe it, this I, I can't put it together i don't know what to think exactly it's tough because you know on one hand if this has really been seven years in the making and they're still having complications, which, according to the latest rumors, I think from Bloomberg, the reason why people think it's going to be delayed until next year is because there are still issues with some of the tech. I think it was cameras. I think it was overheating, battery. Obviously, it's crazy to think that even inside of Apple, the silicon progression has changed so much since this project started right. that I wonder when the Apple silicon transition was sort of getting going, uh, got going originally internally, if that sort of changed any plans with the headset. Now I think the spec is that it's supposed to have sort of an equivalent to an M1 uh, Pro or M1 Max chip, maybe even two chips running this thing. And I guess the big question is this. Well, a couple of questions. Is the headset ready enough to be shown off at WWDC? Is Apple going to show off the hardware of it at all? Are they going to refer to it and just show off the, the software? Or are they going to do nothing at all? Because that's sort of the big question at this point is, when do they finally crack open the door and talk about this in some way, even if there is no hardware? And I know we discussed this, I think it was last episode, about what Apple could do, and here's the path they could go if they do show the software only, and here's what they do if they do hardware. I guess the, the question I have is, you know, okay, so they showed off to the board. Obviously, it's in some kind of final prototype stage. How far are we away from this actually being announced? I still think that June just seems a little too optimistic and a little too early. Yeah, that's the question. Because, I mean, you can look back to the iPhone, which was in a very early stage of development. They, uh, you know, that there was that famous story of the like perfect path that Steve Jobs had to take on stage. If he deviated even a little bit, it could crash the entire thing. And honestly, if that happened on stage, I mean, who knows what the iPhone direction would be now probably end up being okay but it would not be the same hype as uh, <laughs> as it ended up being when the the path turned out perfect and there was no issues um so you know on one hand they obviously talk about things that are not ready same thing with the apple watch the apple watch was definitely not ready honestly the first version of the apple watch just probably shouldn't have existed they should have <laughs> waited one more year because that thing i mean i i was i'm very happy about that watch it was so cool at the time but it was so slow like it, it was not ready for prime time and the, the software is just not ready so you know you could say that they do that with other products so why would that be different here i guess i'm more interested 
I'm more worried about not worried, but interested in how they're going to how how are they going to show this off? Because uh, we talked about this last week with Google I.O. because they showed their glasses uh, prototype. But if you watch their video that they showed off of this translation feature, not one shot in that entire video is real, if that makes mm. sense. Not because mm. the product doesn't work, but because you can't actually show what this is. Like, okay, I can see the hardware. You can show me the headset, but I can't actually see what, it, what it's supposed to look like. And... That is going to be a very difficult thing. I think if any company that would be able to figure out how to do that, Apple would be the one to do it because they're very creative with their uh, demos and their ads and things like that. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I guess the easiest way would be they just put it on and just show you a video out of what you're seeing, kind of what they do, mm-hmm. with, like what they do with the iPhones and the AR demos they do with that. And that's fine, but that is not... That doesn't sell me necessarily because I guess in theory, I already get the concept. Like I know what it is, but I want to know, I want to see the next level. Like why is Apple making this? And then that's that part. And then there's the other part of the technical, you know, hardware of this thing. So we're expecting uh, two 4K micro OLED displays. So it should be very high resolution and look really good. Uh, 15 cameras, which probably goes back to what you're saying about this thing having issues. That's a lot of cameras to keep track of. And it has those because it's going to have hand gesture support. So will it have controllers? I'm guessing not. All those cameras should let you use your hands as controllers, which I think is actually very cool. Um, it's going to have the M series chip. Uh, it's also going to have eye tracking inside and it's, this is the big kicker. It's supposed to cost maybe $3,000. It is. I mean, there's just so many, every layer of this product has so many questions of it, about Mm. it. And whether, whether or not it's ready is just like, that's the easy part. Honestly, I don't, the, whether it's ready enough to show off, I don't even think is that big of a deal. Like they could probably show it off at WWC. That's, that's the least of my worries. I want to know when can I buy it? If I'm, am I going to be able to afford it? Is it going to work? Like there's so many questions around it. It's hard to justify the price of like a decent used car for this headset. And I think what's crazier too is I'm not envious of the person or the people at Apple tasked with how to show this off because it's sort of like the OG Apple Watch or iPhone, not so much the iPad. It's really these first generation products that we have to learn how do you turn it on? How do you charge it? You have to like go through all the basics and fundamentals that I think we take for granted now with new products like Apple Watch or um, you know iPad, MacBook Pro. We all know how those work, and we know with the iPhone, here's a turn on, turn off, whatever the gestures, whatever. That's fine. But with this, everything is so new that you've got to really go step by step on how to do things. And I think that actually this is one area where maybe these digital events are beneficial to Apple because they can really just do all CG if they want to, or they can figure out a creative way to do that. Obviously, I think a live demo would be most interesting, but one of the benefits they have here is that they have all the time in the world to do some post-production magic to really maybe show it off the most clear way possible. But to your point too is, you know, CG videos are cool and all, but I want to see like somebody kind of live demo this. How does it work? How does, you know, um, you know, the Buddha process and the gestures. And there are just so many unanswered questions, which make this at the same time, so frustrating, so exciting because we just don't know. Right. And then I guess there's like other questions just technically, like what's the field of view on this thing? Because if you remember like HoloLens and a Magic Leap, those are AR goggles that you wear and they have like a 15 degree field of view or something. I don't know the exact number, but it's basically you're looking out in the world and there's just lines where everything cuts off. 
So unless you're looking right at the AR object, it's going to get cut off. So it's that that immersion is gone. But if when you CG something in your product demo, they never show that part, right? No, they they always show that it's like fully immersive. And I would assume that there's going to be some kind of field of view limitation because obviously, you know, even with VR, you have some kind of field of view limitation. Like there's a point where it cuts off compared to your peripheral vision. So like all those little things, there's so many things about it that are, that are questionable. I will, uh, we've talked, we talk about this like every week. Do you think we're going to see it at WWDC? The hardware? No. I hope that we see some kind of reference to it because I think that'd be really cool. But I, this is just one of the biggest wild cards. I just don't know. I cannot say confidently one way or the other. If I had to make like a, um, you know, money on the table, this is my guess. Probably not. But I hope so. Yeah. I hope we get some reference to it. But I just don't know. I mean, if the leaks are true that iOS 16 is riddled with references to Reality OS, then maybe it'd be beneficial for them to discuss it beforehand. But I could also see Apple being Apple and being like, oh, here's a new SDK for augmented reality. And, you know, they always right. show those Has dumb AR demos. Yeah. So who knows? So I, I just, I, I don't know. Do you think we'll see it? I think we both want to see it, but I just, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, wa- I want to see it. I'm not a betting person, so I would always take the safe route and say no. That way I don't lose any money, right? But I guess... I'm thinking maybe because I think, yes, it was supposed to be the original plan. Yes, I think they wanted to show this off. So they have that going for it. Yes, it looks like the product is ready enough to show off, um, according to this new uh, Bloomberg report that we saw. And also, they invited people to watch the digital event at the campus, which I think is kind of interesting because it's a digital event that you're going to be watching in the Steve Jobs Theater. That's kind of weird. I don't see the reason for that. So why even have people there? Mm. Maybe it's to show something off that, like we were saying, you really have to see and use to experience. So they have these people here where after the event, even though it's going to be a digital event, maybe because they want to make sure that this demo goes perfectly on stage. So it's digital, everything's great, but the people are there. So afterwards they can go try it out themselves. And that's how they build hype of this new product. Well, that is possible. To your point, that's a great theory. Do you think that Apple would make... Well, see, here's the thing. I could either see them like allowing people to check it out and then like sharing about it, or do you think they'd be like, you can check it out, but you have to send this NDA? Or just don't even show it off at all? I, I just... That's a... I, would, I don't think would they're going to be... Able, the, yeah. I don't think they're going to let anyone take videos or anything like that, but I think they're going to let the developers try it out. And the reason why is going back to what I was saying is you have to use this thing to actually know what it is. So the only way to do that is to actually have it, have the product. So if, even if it's not for the media to check out, I think if they do show it off, you're going to have to then let people use it right after. Otherwise, it sounds cool, but okay, whatever. Like the iPhone, you can look. They had. I remember when they announced the iPhone at MacWorld. He showed off everything on stage, right? And that was great. So you saw everything. And then you saw the hardware in the case outside. But that's, I mean, there's no reason you, like, that was everything you needed to know. There was nothing else to that experience, right? Yeah, using it would be cool, but you didn't need to use it to actually understand it. This, I think you need to use it to understand it. So they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. Um, And WWDC just makes the most sense as the place to do this because, like you said, Reality OS is supposed to be what's running on this. That's a completely new software. It's presumably going to have a new SDK. So that really only matters to developers, and it's something that really is going to matter when the product actually comes out. So I, I don't know. I go back and forth. I hope we see it. 
I hope. I mean, June sixth will be the day. Well, no, I mean, if it if it doesn't get shown off or referenced at WWDC, I think that it's basically a pretty good chance that we're not going to see any mention of it for the rest of the year, and then we sort of reset the cycle in twenty twenty three, and see what happens next year. Because I just don't think that you know we get past June, we've got iPhone fourteen stuff in the fall, new AirPods. Obviously, there's a bunch of new Macs that we have no idea when they're coming. I think that if June is not the time, it's going to be next year, just because there's too much other stuff in the works that just cannot be pushed back. Yeah, I think we could both agree on that, that if it's not right now, then it's going to be all the way until next year. They're not going to hold another event for this, I don't think. Um, and, you know, because if they don't show it off now, then even if it is ready, well, even better, they can perfect it until next year, right? So it's like, I see it both ways. Um, yeah, man, I I don't know. We'll get into the rest of WWDC in a bit, but I just wanted to hit this one little rumor uh that I think hits close to your heart, which is about the Apple Watch Series 8. This is from mm. John Prosser. Mm. He basically going back and saying that the Apple Watch Series 8 is is rumored to, according to this leak, have a front, can't even talk, flat front glass, which also leads you to believe that it would have the flat edges, kind of like what we were expecting with the Series 7. This is from uh, Shrimp Apple Pro, which is a great name. Um, <laughs> and... What do you think? Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know. I don't There's a lot of speculation as to what model this could be. So whether if this is the design for the entire Series 8 lineup or if this is just for the rugged Explorer edition that has to be built tougher. Um, so that's really what I'm curious about right now. But I do think that if this does come, then I think it sort of backhandedly confirms the next year's iPhone 15 design is what John Prosser showed off with the iPhone 14 because he can sort of mention right. that maybe he's a, a year ahead that would sort of confirm that. I love the look of this thing. I am all for flat edges and the boxier design. I know some people hate it. I still just call me crazy, but that Series 7 just seemed like a really weird upgrade to me. But um, if it comes, I'll be happy. I, I love the Apple Watch. I love my Series 7, but... If there's a new design, I'm all in for Series 8, even though we still have no idea what health sensors could be coming or um, what they could be adding. But I'm a big Apple Watch fanboy, so count me in. <laughs> yeah, I I, th I think uh, this is I, I think you're right. This is either the Explore Edition, which needs to be a little bit more rugged, or it's a different version of the Apple or the Apple Watch that we will see at some point, just not quite yet. And I agree. The Series 7 uh, was not supposed to be this. I think that is... I don't know if you could say confirmed slash definitive, but I think it's pretty obvious that the Series 7 was not exactly what but it was supposed to be. Don't you think it's weird that they would tout this major redesign with the Series 7 and then just go and change it with the Series 8 the year after? And like, especially if we look at sort of the cycle of Apple Watch, Series 1, 2, 3, same design. 4, 5, 6, same design. It just seems like there was a missed opportunity there. Maybe it was because of COVID. Maybe everything got pushed back a year, and that would explain it. But it still seems weird that they would tell, oh, here's this brand new design. Here's this big screen, which every time I use this, I'm like, I don't notice the bigger screen. <laughs> I love the Apple Watch, but the design is basically the same. The green's kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too picky and I want something else, and I believe the rumors too much. And I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but <laughs> I would love to see this actually become a thing. Even though I know a lot of people say that this looks too uncomfortable, I don't. I don't know what the comfort level of that uh, would be. I could see that, but I'm yeah. ready. No, yeah, no, I agree. I think that this the the squared off design was originally supposed to happen, and things just didn't work, so they pushed it back. Um, and I, yeah, 
uh, I don't know. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait. If we do see it, this is, is going to be coming out in the fall, like every year with the Apple Watch. So we're just going to have to wait and see, and maybe some more uh, more rumors will pop out this, uh, of this. This is the problem. The rumor mill is so empty right now. There is <laughs> so little Apple news that we're sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel to recycle old stuff because there's just so little we know. And I guess this is typically a slow season for Apple, but I feel like... We had that March event and there was a lot of hype over Mac Studio and Studio Display. Then things just like sort of fell off a cliff in terms of like Apple hype and it's just been stagnant. And there has been no reviving sort of the, um, you know, lifeless rumor cycle. There has been no big leak. There's been no big rumors. We've got like little bits and pieces there. But this has been one of the quietest years I can remember tracking Apple rumors and news because there has been just nothing. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, we, we talk about it every week, but it, it's just, oh, it's boring. <laughs> it <laughs> but is. But I think, like we said, we're getting close to WWDC, so something is going to be coming. Let's get into that. So WWDC, of course, headset aside, the things that we are fairly confident we're going to be seeing are the new software. So iOS 16, watchOS 9, macOS, whatever they call it, <laughs> um, and what else am I missing? tvOS, iPadOS. Mm -hmm. um, so all that new stuff should be coming. And I figured let's use the rest of our time here to give a little iOS 16 wish list. Things that we wish would come, and we call it wish list because they're probably not going to be coming. <laughs> let's be honest. The latest rumor is that iOS 16 is not going to be a major revamp. Um, according to Mark Gurman, who has really had the only scoops on this, um, uh, it's not going to be a big difference. There's going to be like a revamp notification system and new health and fitness tracking features built in, which is nice. No complaints there. Um, also, a new report today that apparently, not too much detail here, but there's going to be a... Um, a major change across the system in terms of interaction and some new fresh Apple apps. Not sure what that means, but I do have an idea of one that could be, although I don't think it pertains to what he's talking about particularly. But uh, yeah, so let's just get into a wish list. Do you, off the top of your head, have anything that you want from, from before I get into my list? This is great, Matt, because I, I need you to give me some inspiration because I have nothing. I cannot think of any exciting things I'd love to see. And you sort of laid out everything we know there really isn't anything we know i guess for me the one thing i'd love to see and i don't think it's gonna happen this year but i'd just love to see it is some kind of revamp to the lock screen i feel like the lock screen has really stagnated i feel like we've gotten no updates to it you can't customize what apps you have sort of quick access to yeah. notifications or whatever to me i'd love to see some sort of revamp there probably not gonna happen yep. though and as I sort yeah, of that was, rack, that was one on my list. Yeah, there you go. And I, as I rack my brain thinking about anything else, like all corners of iOS 16, I don't know. It's sort of that that same old thing we've talked about before, where it's like I can't think of anything I'd want to change, but it would sort of be nice to have something fresh and different. I think for me, I'd love to see some sort of refresh in terms of looks, which will probably be minor this year. I'm not exactly sure what refreshed Apple apps mean. Maybe there's some, yeah, I'm not sure what that you means. know, new uh, designs going there. There's always those rumors that Apple is going to give us um, sort of big Sur esque icons. So maybe that would happen. I'm not, again, not sure what Mark Gurman's talking about there, but walk me through your wish list. Give me some inspiration. I know it always looks uh, a little weird. Give me some inspiration yeah. on what I should look forward so, to. Talking about the lock screen, I, I agree that I don't think we're going to see that only because I think that's more of an iPhone feature, even though it is software. I think that's more of an iPhone feature. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, so 
we had a rumor last year that with the, I think it was with the iPhone 13 that we might see an always on display because it's finally had, finally has an LTPO display, which is the variable refresh rate, which uh, would mean you can have good battery life, but also have an always on display. So even though that is software, I think they would save that for an iPhone release. Um, and a few reasons why I don't think we'll actually see it as just a software feature. And one is because um, there's not going to be much new with the iPhone, so they would save that for it. And it's a good feature to, to announce with it. Two, and I think maybe more importantly, is that the current LTPO display we have with the iPhone 13 Pro, it only goes down to 10 hertz. And the always-on display on the Apple Watch goes down to 1 hertz. So I think in Apple's brain, they wouldn't really... 10 hertz is still too much power sipping mm. for the iPhone right now, in their mind. Obviously, completely possible. We've had um, always-on display on the Android side long before OLED was even in most phones. So obviously, it's possible. But um, I, I think that's one reason why they won't do it as just a software release for older phones, because they want it to be as optimal as possible. And the display we have now just doesn't meet their standards. That's what I'm thinking. And I agree. I, I would also like to see uh, you let you uh, change the custom buttons there at the bottom. Right now you have a flashlight and the camera. Uh, I actually use those all the time, so I'm happy with those, but it'd be nice to switch them out to uh, really anything you want, especially like maybe anything that you can do in the control center, maybe you can put it to there as well. That, that'd that be nice. Uh, and then the always on display, of course, means you can see notifications. Maybe you can see your activity rings. Maybe you could see the weather, all kinds of stuff you can do once, once they do that. But I, I agree, we're not gonna see that with software. Um, and I kind of, aside from that, I kind of split my list into two big sections. There are new features I'd like to see, which is kind of a small list, and then new, or not new, but improvements that I would like to see to things that already exist. So let's start with just new features because this is most exciting. Uh, first one for me, the more I use my phone, the more I want this. I didn't think I would care that much, but I, I want this split screen on the iPhone. Mm. Give me a top and bottom. That is something that people have been talking about for a long time. Every time you look at a list of things that uh, people want, that's one of the top ones all the time. Is that something that you would use? You know, it would be, and it was interesting because wasn't it on the older, larger screen iPhones when you rotated, you got an extended view, and there was, or was that a rumor? There, well, I guess, okay, let me no, clarify. you could never do that. You, you never used to be it. able to rotate your lock screen on a couple of older iPhones. Remember that? You your could rotate. Screen? Oh, your lock screen? No, home screen. You used yeah, to be able to rotate that. something. Yeah, yeah right? you used to be able to, I believe so. I do know that on the bigger iPhone, the Plus models, when they first came out, like the 6 Plus and the 6S Plus, when you rotated the uh, the display to landscape, the app would then have like almost the iPad view kind of. It would have like a sidebar, and it would let you do more than right. if you were just vertical. And there was always that... I'm, let me look this up if you could do the home screen. I, I, there was, I feel like I, I remember that, but I, I also can't remember if I was thinking like a jailbreak or something. I think it was a very brief period on the larger phones. You could rotate the home screen, I think. But one of the rumors for a while, and I think this was like back with like the 10s Max, was that the larger screen iPhone, so the Max version, that would be able to have like extra width and you'd have extra controls and like you'd sort of get like an ipad-esque um way and menu of using that larger screen because you had um sort of more room for the app to utilize obviously that never happened and all the apps are the same but there's always that rumor a while ago that you'd sort of get extra features if you went with the pro max because of that giant screen which right. now everything just sort of blows up and doesn't really utilize that extra space as much as it could 
Exactly. And I just looked it up and it, from what I'm seeing, yes, that was a thing. And I do remember that. This feels like a fever dream that I don't quite I remember, but I'm looking at the pictures and it seems real. Let's, I think yeah, it was a I thing. I don't real. remember I what year. I'm going to call it real. Briefly. The, with the, with the six plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the six plus, you could do that. But no, I agree. That was one of the benefits or not. It wasn't really a rumor, but it was just some, something everyone hoped that once you had this bigger screen that you'd be able to do more with it. And they have just yet to do that. The Max and the regular are still exactly the same in terms of layout. It's like you don't even get more icons. They they need to let you do more with the bigger screens. And I think split screen is one that's easy to do because it's already working on the iPad. Just bring it over to the iPhone. Like I don't, I don't see any reason why they can't do that. Um, so yeah, that's one that I would love to see. Some other new features uh, would be a pro mode for the camera. So let me control the shutter speed. Let me, well, you can't control the aperture, but let me control the ISO. Let me control the white balance. I think this is something we're very likely going to see, if not this year, very soon. Again, this would probably be something we see in the actual iPhone release rather than the software itself. Um, But we already have Pro Raw, we have Pro Res and video, but I can't control any of the actual settings myself. It's kind of weird. And to go along with that, give me more pro editing tools in the Photos app. So I have this Pro Pro Raw photo. Let me be able to edit it as if I was in Lightroom very possible. I edit Lightroom. I edit in Lightroom all the time on my phone. So obviously that's doable on the phone. Let me do that. That'd be one. Um, I know you probably wouldn't really use that too much, but it's definitely something I would like. I wouldn't, but I will say the iOS built-in video editor is abysmal. I was trying (laughs) to edit a clip the other day to post on Twitter because there's like that two minute limit. And I was trying to cut the video at just the right time. And I just, I couldn't get like the playhead to go with the blade tool. And like, it doesn't follow like it should. It's absolutely awful. So some kind of revamp for that would be great. Especially as Apple touts their cameras as being the best. And you know, this year, this year with the 48 megapixel bump and ProRes and cinematic video, why don't you totally refresh the photo editing experience to make the photo editing better and the video editing better because I think someone was supposed about this the other day. There's like a bunch of obviously third-party apps that do it way better, but uh, why not Apple just sort of fix the very sort of outdated and broken system they've had with the sort of built-in photo editor? Yep, completely agree. Um, this is another one that I feel like we might see, maybe not this year, but at some point. And this is a dedicated app for all your security. So things like Keychain, two-factor, mm. um, your VPN, all of this stuff is now built into the phone, but it's really confusing to get to if you don't know what you're looking for. Um, Keychain is like some weird part of the system that you have access to, but if you don't know it's there, it's kind of weird. Uh, the new VPN, or not, sorry, not VPN, the new two-factor is super hidden. If you don't know that's there, you're never going to be using it. Give me an app, basically give me one password, but built by Apple, because they all the features are there, they just need to put it in one spot. And I think if they did that, I would be pretty much converted over to uh, that because I already have all my stuff in Keychain anyway. Oh. Even though I still use one password, I use both. Um, you trust if, Keychain if too it was much. Like a, no, Keychain's great. It's it's awesome. It's it's protected by Face ID. Come on, it's. As I think secure like as it gets. one of the things I like about One Password is for the very few times I am on a non-Apple device, it is sort of nice to have that platform yeah, agnostic experience, which 1Password does a great job at. I also, just like you said, that'd be great because 
I feel like so many people do not know about Keychain and the built-in sort of password manager they have. I feel like people just, it's like, do you want to save this password? They click yes, and then it just sort of disappears into the ether. And I can't <laughs> exactly. tell you yeah. how many times people were amazed on the Mac, like this is years ago, that I'd be like, oh, you want to look at your, what's my Wi-Fi password? Oh, just open up this app called Keychain, start, uh, type in what the SSID is, the Wi-Fi name, and it'll pop up. People were amazed yeah. by that because they just didn't know. And to yeah. your point, it's so hidden instead of settings, having a dedicated keychain app that i think makes total total sense for ios 16. yeah i don't know if we'll see it this year but i think we will see that at some point because they keep building in all these things they have private relay all these security options that are kind of in icloud but they need to be their own app i think maybe i don't know what they would call it exactly maybe they just call it keychain i think that's actually a decent name um yeah i i would love to see that uh okay that is actually it for all my new features. I, I can't think of anything else in terms of like completely new things. Um, those are, that, that's pretty much all I got. Let's get to some of the improvements. The big one is with home screen. And these are kind of simple. Um, arrange apps everywhere or anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's a little silly that you can't do that now, even though they do let you do it with widgets and it's you can hack it and make it work. And I've, that's how I have my iPhone set up and I like it. But it would just be nice to be able to do that um, natively. And also, this I don't think they'll let you do, um, but it would be kind of nice is let you have a change the grid sizing. So if you want, instead of four by five or whatever, you can do like five by six or something. You know, Android lets you do that. I don't think Apple would let you do that exactly, but let us move apps anywhere. I think it's about time that happens. That would be nice. And then, kind of in conjunction with that, widgets. Uh, first, more sizes. Uh, we already have big big widgets, which is good, but let us have smaller widgets. So instead of right now, the smallest you have is a four by four. So it takes up the space of four apps. Let me have a two by one or a one by one, just a single icon size. That'd be nice, especially for apps like weather, where I want to see the weather and I want it to be dynamic, but I don't need it taking up my whole screen. Uh, what about you? For me, I think the biggest thing that I've seen rumored and what's probably going to happen is you sort of mentioned interactive widgets. That that's yeah. sort of been a thing that's come up where instead of just seeing the widgets sort of pass by and you can flick through them, why not be able to actually interact with them and not open apps? And I feel like widget support has gotten better. And I feel like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Widget support has gotten better, but I still feel like the widgets that I see are very limited. And I'd love to sort of be able yeah. to do more things without having to open the corresponding app. And also just... I understand the clean and simplistic layout of iOS, but allowing a little bit more flexibility to sort of put things anywhere, that'd be great. Yeah, I, you know, the interactive widgets make sense. Like, obviously want that. But I wonder how, like, I wonder what that would actually mean. Because in a sense, wouldn't that mean that the apps are running all the time? Yeah, I wonder if they'd have to like somehow suspend them and like or run them in like a very like minimal state where only like when it's active for like more than maybe five seconds, then it pops up or like when you tap on it, that's when it sort of it has to like sort of run like a mini app almost. Yeah. That would be interesting. I'm not sure how they would do that. Um, and I'm trying to think of what use cases there would be for that. Like for me, it's like it'd be cool if like for the calendar widget, I could like add a little entry right there or like a note. I could just yeah. make a little quick note where they were having to open the notes app. Those little things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it just starts with Apple stock apps, then it moves to uh, third-party support later on. Yeah. But I'm sure they'd have to put some limitations on there to make sure that some like app is not like sucking your battery because it's constantly running in this little widget. Yeah, and then you have to think of things like location. Like if I give the app location uh, permission, like while I'm using the app, does the widget count as using the app? 
you know, there's things to think about there. Um, but yeah, uh, the calendar would be a good one. The like a to do list would be great to just check it off from the widget. I, I use things three and it's great, but I hate that I can't just check it off from the widget. I tap it and then it opens up and then I have to check it off. Um, and then another one would be uh, like the Tesla app, for instance. You mm-hmm. can open the front right from the widget. If, like there's a button for it, but it doesn't actually like do anything. It just opens the app to that section, right. which is fine. It works, but it, it could be better. Uh, so, yeah, I would like to see that. I don't know how they would implement it, but I, it's definitely possible. Let's put it that way. Um, all right. What else? Uh, I, one, this is kind of going along with widget, is I would love to have a HomeKit widget or a home app widget uh that would be great i I don't know why that's not a thing like why can't i select my three favorite lights and just have them on a widget i guess actually thinking about it the reason is because they're not interactive right so i wouldn't be able to actually click on (laughs) widget. but if they do that then give me the home app uh, widget as well um uh, we talked about this one either offline i can't remember we talked about it maybe it was last week cross-platform notifications i guess this is a new feature Mm -hmm. but um I have my iPhone, I have my iPad, I have my Mac. They're all running very similar apps because I use those apps on every platform. Great. If I get a notification on one, they pop up everywhere I am. Awesome. I love that. That's the beauty of being in the ecosystem. But it is so annoying that if I check it on my Mac, my iPhone still has it up. Or if I check it on uh, my iPad, my iPhone still has it. You know, this yeah. only happens with certain apps. I will say, like Telegram, for instance, if I have it open on my Mac and I I uh, get a new message, if I look at it on my phone, I'll see the notification disappear on my Mac or vice versa. So it does work certain times, but for things like messages, iMessage, that does not work. If I get I wonder- a um, if I get a text message from my phone, which is syncing to my Mac. Uh, not a iMessage, but an SMS. If I if I look at the SMS on my phone, it stays on my Mac, and it's just annoying. I wonder if there's some sort of API thing there where, because iCloud syncing doesn't iCloud syncing handle that. a lot of those notification things. Like I wonder if there's like Telegram, like other apps, like they have their own API that they're calling to. It's like okay, if it's red here, then make it red there. I'm sure it's like right. you know Facebook Messenger stuff like that. But it'd be nice if like Apple could do this universally, like build it into like your Apple ID that there's sort of the syncing where it's like, okay, there's a notification sync. If, you know, we blast these notifications because they know all your devices, if it's just seen or read somewhere, let's clear it from the queue. That seems, I'm not a developer, so I don't know, seems fairly easy to implement, right? Because Apple knows the devices you've got, they know the apps you've got installed. I think that all of the, and obviously actually, all of the apps are going through an Apple push notification server, right? So Apple would have to know when a notification is going out and they probably also know when it's being read. So there's got to be something that can be made to work. Yeah, it's got to be doable. And I wonder if there's any developers that are listening to this, any iOS developers, is this a thing already and just certain apps just don't do it? Maybe that's what it is. Because think of like the Zillow app for me. It's like I'll get like notifications from Zillow on my phone, but it's still there on the iPad and like a bunch of other stuff too. I mean, like you said, some apps are better about it than others. Telegram's good. Um, A lot of the chat apps because they must be implementing this. Yeah, mail apps are good. But there's like a bunch of like random apps. Like you'll just get a bunch of notifications that just do not clear because they're not implementing whatever tech that is. Yeah. So whatever the answer is, let's fix it because it's 2022, almost 2023. It's about time that 
the the notifications are synced between everything. Um, another kind of improvement to the app library would be nice. Um, don't rearrange everything when I install a new app. It's very <laughs> annoying that it's dynamic rather than static. And either there's two ways they can go about it. If they don't want to change that, if they like the way they have it there, okay, fine. Uh, but let us switch to an alphabetical view like you can do when you go into the search function. That way it's just always the same. That'd be nice. Or let me rearrange the way everything looks in that section and don't move it. Just leave it where it is. That'd be nice. Um, that's a simple one. Uh, another one I saw people asking for was to give you an icon like you have on the iPad. So if you have three pages of apps and then the app library, instead of having to swipe through everything, you could put that icon onto either your dock or onto one of the pages and access the app library from wherever you are. That'd be kind of nice. I, I use the app library way more than I thought I would, but I'm still not the 100% like biggest fan of the app library. One of my things, and I forgot where I saw this. I almost think that, did you give me this tip? Or I saw it somewhere where you have like one page of apps on your phone that mm. uses the Siri smart stack to recommend you apps that you frequently use. Mm -hmm. So I have a whole page on my phone that looks like it's all apps, but it's actually just three Siri smart stacks that just automatically feed me the apps that thinks I'm going to need to use. <laughs> and I got to say that, honestly has cut down on my searching dramatically because usually if i need an app it's already there so that's kind of cool there's a little pro there, yeah. tip for you that's cool you know it's funny though isn't that the same thing as just putting the apps there anyway it's the same thing i mean i guess it, <laughs> it dynamically changes so like it should know and it doesn't like siri knows like by the time of day and stuff and that's true yeah i don't know yes that's basically the same thing but i, I saw that i forgot <laughs> where i saw it but i'm like that's a great idea and it sort of works no, it looks idea. like it's stock yeah, I guess go. Let's go along with that a little bit. And mine, this this for me is a is a big one, and that's more focus mode customization. So, have you messed with focus mode since the last time? We no, talked about since it? we talked about it, I like tried to <laughs> half heartedly set it up, and then I never touched it. <laughs> uh, so, there's a few things that I love adjusted here. First, uh, well, there. On one hand, I could see this changing, and on the other, I don't because the way I use focus modes is not exactly how Apple intends it, but. I still think there's some changes they could do that would that would make everyone happy. First, and this is the most important to me, in, when you're setting up a focus mode, instead of whitelisting what you want to see, I want to blacklist what I don't want to see. Because right now, when you go into a focus mode and set it up, it says, okay, who do you want to hear from? Uh, that's, that's too much. I want to tell you who I don't want to hear from because there's like three things that I don't want to hear from, right? Like there's like... I don't know, if I'm in a work mode, then I don't wanna hear from these certain apps, but I don't wanna like select every single app because I'm usually fine with all of them. Um, so let me white uh, whitelist instead of, all right, well, now I'm getting confused. Whatever I said at the beginning, let me choose what I want to see, not what I don't wanna see. All right, whatever, I'm gonna, I'm gonna confuse here. I hear but you, nice. I, I get you. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, the other would be more trigger options. So right now, the way I have it set up, for instance, at a certain time of day, um, which is 10, 10 a.m. for me, that's when work starts. So it automatically turns on my work focus mode, which for me means it sets up a new home screen, which has a huge calendar. It has the certain apps that we use, all that kind of stuff. So it just automatically switches over to that at a certain time of day. Great. I set up another, or what I want is to set up another focus mode for when I get into the car because my car does not have CarPlay. So I am using my phone as my basic CarPlay device, right? So there is a car um, focus mode, but when you when you go into that to set it up, 
all it does is, uh, you know, turn off notifications and let you um, like send messages. So it's more of a safety thing rather than a functionality thing. Um, and what's nice about that mode is when you do select it, it knows when you get into your car. So if it detects that you're connected to like Bluetooth, that's your car, it automatically knows that. So it'll switch it on automatically. Great. But since I don't have CarPlay, I want to set up a home screen with the different map apps that I use, like mm. Google Maps, Apple Maps, Waze, so that when I get into the car, those automatically pop up. I don't need to see my normal phone or uh, you know my normal iPhone display or home screen that I have. I want it to be car specific. So when I go in to set up a, um, a uh, home screen and then set up the focus mode that is a custom focus mode, well, I can't trigger it. There's no way to trigger like in my car, if that makes sense. The, the, wonder, the trigger only works it, for a drive. Mode. Have you messed with Siri shortcuts? I wonder if there's a way to do it that way. There is, but it's not. I want it to be the because the focus. What I like about the focus mode is I never think about it hmm. in the morning for work at 10 a.m. It just automatically switches. I don't think about it and it switches across all my devices. Uh, I want it if I if I was OK with the way their drive focus mode worked then automatically when I get in the car, it switches to that mode. That's what I want without me having to go into yeah. a shortcut because I can easily do that um, now, but that's not what I want. That's my very specific um, use case for this, but the point of the story is give you more trigger options, give you more options of what you can do in those focus modes. They have What they have now is a great start and it works really well, but there's more that it could be and uh, I'd be excited for what that could be could be that that's another one focus modes i think is a very hidden feature that most people don't use but once you get in there and like set it up the way you want it's very nice i like it a lot it's funny they spent so much time on that last year at wwdc and i feel like at least for me i never see people use it at all oh so, i don't know anyone that uses it <laughs> at least you are the shining light in the apple ecosystem that is using this but um it's always like stuff that apple shows off i feel like we never see or like it's just like really early. It's like the digital ID stuff or like the car key stuff. Do any cars support car key? I've never seen a video on it. I think like some specific BMW models do. I feel like Apple spends a lot of time. Maybe this is filler stuff. They just like don't know or like don't have something to talk about. So they talk about all this cool stuff that like is delayed and delayed and delayed forever. So, or they just like, no one really uses like focus mode, which I'm sorry to say that maybe people use it, but it's like one of those things that I feel like no one really remembers is there and they just sort of forget about it and then it's sort of gone yeah i'm looking to see what cars support it so yeah it's bmws a bmw already supports locking and unlocking the vehicle with the bmw digital key so pretty much all of their cars support it so it seems like yeah just bmw right now but yeah i agree that some of those features i mean i i think half of those is like they build it in and then it's up to third parties to make it work um, like the IDs and the car key. Um, but I agree. There's so many features that the iPhone has that doesn't really do that much. Um, all right. There's only a few more that I have here. Another one. Well, let's just talk about this a little bit. This is kind of my last one. It's about time that they do something with Siri. I don't know what, well, mm. I do, I have an idea, but it's about time that they do something with Siri just to, to make it a little better. And I think there's something relatively simple that they could do that would make a huge difference. Um, I'm not a complete uh, Siri hater uh, like a lot of people are. I think it's kind of like Apple Maps where you had a few bad experiences back in the day and then kind of gave up on it. It's still definitely not as good as Google Google Assistant or Alexa, but it's not that bad. I use it every day and it's fine. It's good. 
but there's one thing that they need to do or that they could do that I think would make a huge difference. And it's simply, instead of when you ask Siri a question, instead of it telling you, here's what I found on the web, and then you have to read, all it has to do is read what the first selection is. That's exactly what Google Assistant does. Google Assistant has, or Google has the knowledge graph. You know, when you're searching on Google, there's that little box at, at the top that gives you like basically the answer, right? It's from some random website and they think that's the answer. So it puts it in this little box. When you ask Google a question, all it does is read that box. That, that's all it's doing. I don't see why Apple can't do that with Siri. If they did that, it would, it would take the frustration away because half the time when you ask a question, it does actually give you the answer. You just have to actually read it. So on the HomePod, for instance, where there's no screen, you can't really do that. That's that's my biggest complaint right now. You know, I'm surprised how many people use Siri for that. Like they treat it like it's an Amazon Alexa. For example, my dad, who I know listens to this podcast every week. So hi, dad, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he uses it to ask questions all the time. And I feel like um, Google Assistant especially is so good at that. And Siri is so poor about that where he'll ask a pretty specific question that Usually Siri will know the answer to, but it just won't say it. It's like, here's what I found on the web. Here's what I found yeah. on maps. Like if it could just be better at answering basic questions, which is what everyone has come to expect it to do now, that's right. what people want. And I feel like that but, cannot yeah. be that hard to do. When was the last time Apple really talked about Siri in the smarts department? I think they just talked about it last year about the privacy and safety and security focus. But when right. was the last time we ever did a deep dive into here's how smart Siri is? It's been or years. here's like the here's the new things that Siri can help you with. Like, yeah, they don't really do that kind of stuff. But to that point, whenever it says like here's what I found in maps or here's what I found on the web, it is actually giving you the answer. It's doing a good job. It just doesn't tell you the answer. That's all it needs to figure out. They need to figure out how to get it to tell you the answer, and then I think we're good. Because um, I guess once they do do this HomePod with the uh, the screen built in, it won't matter as much for you know, HomePod situation, but right now asking questions on the HomePod is really hit or miss because sometimes it'll say like, well, I can't really answer that, right? Even though it doesn't, if you ask that same question on the phone, it will work. And I remember, because I, it does answer the questions pretty well. Remember back in the Techno Buffalo days, I don't know if you were there, but I remember we did a, uh, we had this conspiracy theory be between all of us that because I'm not, like I said, I'm not a Siri hater, but we had this conspiracy theory that Siri only works for me. Yes, because I remember everyone that. was always <laughs> everyone was always complaining, and then I would ask the question on my phone, and it would just work. So I, maybe there's something to that. Maybe it, they, it knows who the Siri fans are, and it just works more. But I, I think Siri's not that bad. They just need to do a few things to make it a little bit better. Uh, smarts aside, I think the bigger, maybe not the bigger, but a very big one is make it the same smart level on every platform. Mm. I can't ask the same thing on the Apple TV as I can on my watch nope. as I can on my phone. They need to make it universal and and have it answer the questions, and I think we're good. I, I think it's pretty decent. As Isn't well. it interesting how there was such this, this big external push for Apple to make Siri better, and they had hired all these people and these execs from Google, right. and then, like, nothing happened? And obviously, Apple yeah. has bigger fish to fry these days, but I feel like the development on Siri, at least publicly, has really sort of been, it's been like a, the ball that was dropped. Like there's been no updates on it. It hasn't gotten any smarter. Have, there have been no significant updates or improvements. And I feel like Google Assistant, even Amazon Alexa, they're up there like now in like the pretty reliable category of useful virtual assistants where Siri is still relegated to 
this thing gives me different answers depending on what device I'm on. It doesn't work on the same on every device. It's just, it's known for being unreliable, slow, and just really just not giving answers that are sometimes anywhere even in the scope of what I was asking. And it's, I can never count on Siri for things because I know it's just faster and easier if I just type it on Google myself. Yeah, and that's, I think they need to figure out a way to change that perception because like I said, once you actually do use it, it's okay. But they just need to, they need to get people like you to actually try it again, I think. And then once they do try it, it needs to work. So once they do that, I think we're good. Um, I'm trying to, I'm looking at my thing here at my little list. I, that's pretty much everything that I could think of for iOS 16. Will we see any of these? Mm, <laughs> we might see like two. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that many. Uh, what is there anything else that you could think of that you would love to see in the new version of iOS? All these things sound great. I'd love to see some updates. Honestly, I just, I'm very curious. You know, we talked about this before. If this means these very sparse leaks mean that Apple has such a huge thing to announce that hasn't leaked, they are ready to blow open the doors with some amazing yeah. features. Or if there is so little that has changed, there's nothing to leak. So I think that <laughs> either this WWDC is going to be one that is really exciting, packed with some new Mac hardware, going to be really cool, and they're just flying through things, or it's going to be, I think, what some would consider to be underwhelming, where they walk through some stuff, there's no mention of headset, and that's just sort of it. And I just, from what we're hearing right now, iOS 16 is going to be, looks like just another sort of, you know, let's go through the process and release something new, but it seems like um, maybe Apple's priorities are different, and iOS 16 is going to be, Maybe a little underwhelming this year. I don't know. I hope not, but that's what it looks like right now. Yep, and I pretty much agree with that. But maybe as we get closer, we'll hear, hear a little bit more, but I, I'm doubtful. I think I think it's going to be a pretty basic year for iOS. Uh, luckily, iOS is pretty good. Like It took me a while to come up with this list, so it's not like these things are searing in my brain every time I use the iPhone. Like These are just things that would be nice. I, they're not ruining the entire experience because they're not there. They would just be nice to see. Uh, but... Kind of speaking of that, we would love to hear what you guys would love to see in iOS, so we can uh, so we can get more ideas and promote them, and hopefully Apple, someone from Apple is watching this, and then they can implement it. That would be great. So if you want to let us know what those are, so we can read about them next week, the hotline is nine four nine three five four three five zero eight. So you can text us, you can call us, um, and we will talk about it on the show. If not, just leave a comment and the video version down below on YouTube, and we will check those out as well. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear from you. This is one of those, this is especially one of those topics where having feedback from the community would really help because we're just two people here. We can only come up with so much. If you guys have suggestions on what you'd like us to cover in the next few weeks, let us know. We are open to suggestions because as we've talked about, slim pickings in the news cycle. So if there's a, <laughs> an area we could dive into or some questions we could answer, some buying advice we could give. I love the one show we did was like, wasn't it uh, like the holiday shopping uh, spree yeah. buyer's guide? That was fun. So if you guys have a, a suggestion on anything you'd like to see, let us know in the comments. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. It certainly helps us out. And uh, we appreciate you guys watching or listening, or both of you watch and listen. You're an extra fan. Thank you very much. As always, thank you guys so much for your support. We'll see you next time, next week, here on another episode of the Apple Circle Podcast.